0: All right, well, welcome back to the Cord of Three podcast. And uh, this is Spencer. Lisa is back home in Georgia. I am in the state of Arkansas on a duck hunt trip uh, with some friends of mine from FCA. And we are out here with my good friend, uh, Brian Walmack and uh, his outfit, High Plains Waterfowl, which we're going to talk a little bit about. And uh, But before we do that, we're just gonna have a little duck call um, instruction, maybe. Who knows? What is it? How do you do a duck
1: call? Well, lots of practice, lots of failure, listening to some, killing a bunch. But it's just a musical instrument that a series of breaths and syllables make the make the call of a mallard hen and then all that's together well let's hear it let's hear it Let's hear so here's, it. here's the quack <coughs>
0: that's perfect
1: well that's to be or at
0: least for the introduction to the podcast yeah
1: but so that's good
0: that's pretty cool And it is pretty neat to be able to hear that in a, I mean, because I'm I'm no duck hunter. I mean, I like to hunt ducks, but um, I'm still learning, you know. And to be in a pit blind and to hear you guys making those sounds with those instruments.
1: The sounds of a lady (laughs) trying to entice the drakes with all the possibilities of death
0: oh man we'll talk a little bit about the hunt this morning um in just a few minutes but uh i do have a few questions for you because um you were telling us a story um and it brought up a question for me have you ever heard of anyone who's given another person a special concoction of milk and a strong laxative
1: I heard a story one time of a gentleman that hunted with an outfitter and he was just annoying. There's just no other, God had made him very special. (laughs) And so his annoyance had led to his ultimate breakdown, which would occur in some bushes in Saskatchewan, Canada. Oh, um, he enjoyed milk with every meal, 20 to 32 ounces of whole milk. And so towards the last day with of every his... every meal, like breakfast, ev- lunch, it didn't and matter. dinner. He was strong bones, healthy. And so towards the last day of his hunt, as I'm told, uh, there was some really strong prescription laxative added to his milk and the rest of his group understood this as he was just completely broken down in his layout blind
0: in clint fair's words he'd been broke down like a cripple coon
1: <laughs> yes uh a couple people i know say that his o-ring had given out <laughs>
0: <laughs> but, That's one way to put it.
1: <laughs> but he he needed to excuse himself from the decoy spread, and when he didn't return for half an hour, I thought I should go check on him, and what I found was a trail of a trail of mustard. E- excrement and napkins from my glove box <laughs> and I've, I've never seen the power that would propel that four feet into some bushes until that day and the severity of the situation turned when we started thinking about his 28-hour drive home Oh, and so it took an extra day and a half as they limped home nursing a very sensitive stomach so you know the i guess the key the moral of that story is don't be annoying don't be annoying yeah
0: let's learn
1: and be very cautious when you drink milk
0: i haven't had any milk so no
1: yeah there's been some experiences over or that i've heard about anyway
0: well, speaking of annoying, I know that hunters can do some pretty dumb things, <laughs> and I know, in your experience with hunting, you've seen some people do some pretty stupid stuff.
1: Yeah, you know, for what a, have you seen? For a, a portion of my experience, some of that stuff was funny. As I have wised up and hopefully matured some it's not quite so funny and just safety and the the funniness wears off but we have had i have been asked upon arrival to the field to put a gun together for a guy who has never never held a gun put together and that's unnerving to say the least that a grown man hands you a shotgun as you're preparing to hunt, to put it together for him. So I generally just put them as far away as possible. I put them by their friends in case something goes wrong. <laughs> but uh, you got to
0: live for another day. You got we, people counting on you.
1: Uh, we have had, uh, you know, people stand up in boats, fall out when it's fourteen degrees guys have stuck the barrels of their shotguns in the mud and fired them, which is extremely... They just don't have any awareness of their gun. Wait, did they
0: fire them after they stuck the barrel? Yes, and the barrels... And they stuck them in and then fire, Or did they, like, pull it out and then fire?
1: No, they stuck the barrel in the mud three inches and then fired at some ducks. Why would they... Well, the the barrel explodes.
0: That's just And either does,
1: like... who's the guy hunting the rascally rabbit the yeah yeah elmer Elmer fudd Fudd. the barrel opens up if you're lucky or it blows out the back end which could kill you but um just you know we've had guys that have no clue and they're so trusting and tender and you tell them to shoot and they're liable to be shooting at anything legal or illegal because they just don't know what they're hunting but It would take me a while to think of the dumbest things, but they happen regularly.
0: What's the dumbest thing you've ever done, hunting-wise? I didn't know I was going to ask you that one.
1: Uh, I do a lot of dumb things, so I'd have to... (laughs) Probably believing that I can go places that a normal human being wouldn't look at and say oh yeah we can get over there and that leads you to have to walk five miles to borrow a tractor to pull out a ranger boat excursion whatever i've made a lot of dumb decisions that you know that we've learned from and grown from that's all part
0: of the experience though absolutely
1: stories just
0: memory, it's just making memories.
1: Make incredible memories. So do you have I do have one dumb thing oh, that okay. I did. Really dumb. Alright, what is it? So when we were outfitting in Saskatchewan, Canada, I decided one morning to leave my dogs at home. And we had this one farmer that had this basically this sanctuary that he he would let me hunt if we needed it. Like if we had a bad hunt and these guys had flown all the way from the States to Canada, it was one of those things that you could count on if, if that's possible in hunting, but always had a lot of ducks and geese. And anyway, I took these guys and no dog. And we go to this little sanctuary and we surround it like the wild west. And at shooting time, the killing starts and 15 minutes into it I realized that we have birds that have to be picked up now it's late October in Saskatchewan Canada by that time it's cold no dog so I decide I'm going to drive to town and get my dog to pick up all these birds because we had like you can kill a lot of birds in your limit in Canada, and we had a lot down. And so, I get in the suburban, I get the suburban stuck 10 feet from where I was. And so, at that point, I thought, well, I'm just going to get the birds. And so, I decided to go swimming.
0: How cold was the water?
1: Well, if you've ever seen a little husky white kid turn pink, <laughs> it happened really quickly, I I went all the way down to my underwear, and of course you have eight guys from Memphis laughing hysterically, fortunately, cell phones and YouTube and Snapchat weren't huge yet. And so I swam and picked up 81 ducks and geese. And when I got out of the pond, I was pink like like a tube of lipstick, pink. (coughs) And it took me days to recover You had, You
0: probably had a mild case of hypothermia.
1: I don't get cold easily, but that day it was brutal. And it's the kind Dude, you that... You could have died. Possibly. Uh, it was the kind, though, that... Because it didn't... I mean, it took a while to pick up 81 birds. Oh, I had to swim. I came to the bank probably 10 times and looked and thought... I'll just leave them and let the game wardens write a ticket. And then I was like, "No, we killed them. I can't do that. We got to be stewards." And so, I would go back in, and every time you could, you know, when you're so cold and pink that you can push on it, and yeah. a little white spot pulls yeah. up, my entire body did that for. That's the worst. Is three hours later when you begin to unthaw and
0: you need to, one of those survival blankets.
1: Oh. If there'd have been a survival wigwam, I would have been inside of it instantly. So that was pretty dumb. It was, was. It really made dumb. an epic memory yeah. for the hunters who got to say, "Look at this fool in his underwear swimming when it's 14." That's our God. That's yeah, him. That's the guy we've entrusted with our life. Becoming that... a pink Danish roll out here. <laughs> so that was that was, it was the like tip. A, it's like the pink hot dogs—the really cheap ones you buy at yes. Wiggly. Yeah, you're not. They're not really for human consumption because when you boil them, the water turns to Kool-Aid. Oh, oh God! I really felt and looked like. <laughs>
0: remember those. One of those red I dogs. I think my dad would eat those.
1: Yeah, so lots of dumb things along the way.
0: Wow. So <clears throat> superstitions do you have any superstitions like about hunting like wearing certain well, kind of boxers
1: you know duck hunters are the worst in terms of gadgetry like every year there's the, the the next greatest thing and so they sell millions of dollars of product and i'm pretty old school so when i find I'm an old soul, so when I find what works, I just don't really want to deviate too much. I'm not a gadget guy. And so there's two things probably that are really disgusting that I just rely on. One is a duck call that's on my lanyard currently that has probably, and I could document this with journals that we keep of kill numbers, but there have been 25,000 ducks die while blowing that call, and. I looked today, this morning, sitting in the pit, and I'm pretty sure it's full of things that would cause COVID, like staph infection, bacteria, you know, really nasty duck guides dip. I don't dip, so my call's not full of that, but I'm pretty sure that it has dirt in it from Saskatchewan in 2005. Most people clean their calls and change the cork and the reed. Yeah, This thing just works, so I'm not touching it. Okay. So I don't let anybody borrow it. It's just kind of part of the machine that is kill tools. And then the other thing is, I once wore a pair of Carhartt pants. So like real, real killers wear Carhartt pants. I had a pair on unwashed for thirty-seven days straight. <laughs> and god, oh, that's and worse than the duck call. It had enough blood and mud that they—you don't need starch. You can just fold it yeah. however, wherever <laughs> you want to crease, and but they—they cut the wind. They're tough, durable. So I have a pair of Carhartt pants that still that I wear until they start stinking. I, I do have some standard, and so...
0: Some standard.
1: Once they smell like Kay. the Little Rock Zoo for a number <laughs> of days, uh, I will wash them then, but that's really the only superstition I have, is I need some good pants, and I need this call that's going to lead to death, hopefully.
0: 37 days.
1: Yeah, and that was at a time when we were killing... 80 to 100 birds a day they had and the the dirt in canada is super rich those places up north they have a short growing season so it looks like uh you know those desserts that are like chocolate yeah devil's food yeah 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 Yeah, that's what the dirt looks like so when you mix that and blood repetitively on your on your tan carhartt pants yeah it becomes a
0: It's like it's on camouflage.
1: Pretty much. Pretty much. I wouldn't, at some point, I wouldn't have even had to blow a call. I could have just stood up and they probably would have fallen from the sky. When they they saw those pants, it was like, we're not going to take a shot. We'll just give up. Yeah. Just quit. We're diving head first into the dirt. Just don't even shoot us.
0: Oh, Mercy. Wow. Well, this is really not on a hunting subject, but how do you feel about soccer? I mean, you've got a boy playing soccer.
1: I do. I have one son that is And talented. you're not really
0: a soccer player, right?
1: That is in correct.
0: Your, in your prime.
1: Uh, here are my thoughts about soccer. My brain says that There's a tremendous amount of skill and technique, coordination. They're in incredible shape. They run for two hours to arrive at a 1-0 or 0-0 tie. So I would say that soccer players are skilled. It's obviously the world's game. The world, Europe and otherwise, they know something I don't. But that's what my brain says. And I have a son that plays, and I want to support and encourage him. But my heart says that I can't stand it. Um, you run as hard as you can run for two hours, and it's one to zero. Mm-hmm. Like because of Western culture, I need them to do something to make the game make a make the goals worth seven points, so at least it's a seven-zero game. Yeah. Or yeah. I mean, my problem with soccer stems from the stupidest rule they ever created in sport is offsides.
0: Offsides. Yeah. So
1: when you play basketball, your whole goal is to get a fast break. Yep. You want to throw the ball ahead, ahead of the defense,
0: Mm -hmm.
1: so you can score a a basket. Like, let's score some points and beat somebody.
0: Yeah, and in basketball, unlike soccer, in basketball – there is no one at the end of the goal. Well, it's not right even the, the, the goalie. Yeah. The
1: offside rule is stupid because you can't kick the ball out of the possession of the, whoever has it unless there's a defender even with that person. So you have to allow the defense to recover before you can go score a goal. And so that's just not the American way. I mean. <laughs> so, uh,
0: so you're saying that this is a communist sport? Is that what you're saying?
1: I don't know. Well, that's what you said, and I would say I agree. <laughs> so that was Spencer's quote, by the way. Well,
0: I grew up playing soccer, so I hear what you're saying.
1: It's just offsides. You, get a re- you make two changes, and we can embrace it. Yeah. Get rid of offsides. Because if you're good, you figure out we need more guys back there. And change the valuation of a goal. Of a goal. I don't, I mean, these That people, would be really cool. These people go to a professional soccer game. Yeah. They're paying $85 for a ticket to watch a tie. A 1-1 yeah. one, one tie.
0: And, and a shot from midfield is the same value as a shot that's a penalty kick.
1: Absolutely.
0: Yeah. So just, I like that idea. Just I think it would be a really cool idea. Like if you were to shoot from outside the eighteen, that's a three point shot.
1: Well, in the course of my life, I realize I'm I, I'm a incredible idea guy. It's just that most of them are bad. <laughs> so this may be one where I
0: I don't think that's a bad idea. Now speaking from a, being a goalie, because I was a keeper when I played soccer,
1: I can see that.
0: I was a little short.
1: I playing. didn't say that. Yeah, I can see. No, I can see you with. No, you were thinking it. I can see you with a pair of those hamburger helper gloves. Oh yeah, (laughs) yes, that's that's right. And I was
0: decked out. I did have the big old gloves and the padded shirts and the padded pants and. Oh yeah, I did.
1: Yeah, can we stop talking about soccer? Sure, we can.
0: So let's talk about kind of a uh, an after actions report on today, the hunt.
1: So, for the sake of the podcast world, today is December the 27th. Yep. The prime, what would be considered prime time in Arkansas waterfowl season, and it was 79 degrees today. Yes, not at, good. At daylight, at sunrise, it was 67 degrees. So, because waterfowl are migratory something the only thing that gets them here is cold weather Mm -hmm. so it's been a little difficult to really even feel like it's duck season number one we just had Christmas and we were in shorts mowing the yard so that's been difficult
0: and I was in a short sleeve shirt so were you yeah in the pit blind today
1: absolutely so the conditions actually the the temperature was not good we had cloud cover we had wind, which is good. That provides motion in the decoys, uh, but somewhat decent bird flight until eight o'clock, eight thirty, and that was it. Yeah. So
0: now I feel like we executed pretty good.
1: There was there was pretty good execution on what was available. On, yeah, on what was yeah. available. So, how
0: many did we kill? Seven.
1: We came home with seven. We knocked a few more down that we lost because our dog was slow and blind and but you know that's that's part of it we missed a few you know i i typically say after years of doing this that if you killed seven you shot at 21 you kill about a third of what you actually shoot at now that's not always true but as a general rule guys i can see guys that don't hunt Mm -hmm probably shoot at a 30 to 35% kill rate.
0: I don't think I'm that good or bad. No. I
1: Well, I do remember a time when we were in the corner of a cornfield just laying them out. That was epic. Yes. I tried to tell one of our other guys today about that and
0: that <clears throat> That was epic.
1: That was a good si- day.
0: Yes, that was a really good day. Sitting in those cattails, and just seeing those birds coming in, cupped up. Yeah, it was. And just staring you in the face, like shoot me.
1: It was textbook.
0: It was. And
1: actually, just think, as good as that was, if I'd have had those bloody muddy pants on, we'd have had more. Oh, we wouldn't have been four short of our limit. We'd have, had we'd have more. been over. Yeah. Over. We'd have to hide them in our boots.
0: Now, some of those birds today, though, it was really cool watching them start to cup up high and work down.
1: Yeah, a couple of them were textbook what you would. That's what they're designed. That's how the game works. You call, they circle, they decide. That's where I'm going. They commit, set their wings into the decoys game over if you're game. if you execute
0: if you execute that's the plan
1: if not as they leave it's kind of like duck hunt and there's laughing and you know <laughs> yeah i survived right. another day yeah so
0: so after uh after the duck hunt we came back had some some of kathy's good old goodness cooking yes with the breakfast with uh those little eggs that she cooks in the muffin pans. Yes, those are legit.
1: Yeah, they're. Uh, it's protein, so you're. It's good. protein. Yeah. I mean, and it actually, the way they're prepared, it it affords you the opportunity to eat too many, mm-hmm. and not feel as bad about it because they're just. I eat five. They're, well, that's good, but you're, you're boat up, burning calories right now, so, building muscle.
0: Yeah i the, ate five i didn't feel too bad about that
1: the muffin 10 eggs that's fuel that's monster
0: and then uh let's see after uh after breakfast we had our uh first bible study we did and we talked about we've been talking about quitting
1: absolutely
0: and um i thought that was really good for us to talk about i know that the people that we've got here the people that um are engaged in that conversation. That was
1: I think the it's been good. part why of,
0: why why did you like come up with that idea of quitting
1: <clears throat> Well, every year I pray that God would reveal to me what He wants me to say to the guys that are coming to hear from Him ultimately. And, you know, it's it's been a this last couple years just for people in general, has been difficult. I think, yeah. you know, the the world view that people were operating under, under has been really challenged by some of the realities of a pandemic. I think some people have considered their mortality mm-hmm. for the first time in a very real, tangible way um I just think it's been a tough It's been a tough season for a lot of people. Right. And you know, it seems like when it rains it pours, you hear that obviously, but um the Bible study this year is focused on quitting and and how you know, apart from a faith in God Quitting seems like the best option because it relieves whatever is pressuring you to a point of needing escape. But when you consider not only the promise of God that those that hold hope, they unswervingly hold to the hope of eternity Mm -hmm but more so they hold and cling and trust to him, the one who holds eternity. For that, it tells us there's something worth in an eternal perspective pressing on. Yeah. And so I think just to be reminded that there were many biblical examples of guys that circumstantially wanted to quit.
0: Yeah. I loved your definition of endurance this morning or was it, yeah this this morning our first our first Bible study um, no last night it's when we when you brought it up about abide under I think it was what yeah, it was abiding uh, ab- under abiding under and I thought that was abiding ag- under suffering abiding uh, but uh, that abiding piece is that you are you're in it right you know you're d- you're dwelling there <clears throat> but you are there is that suffering there is that pressure there is that um that that you know we were talking about pain tonight um and you abide under that but the only way you can really abide under that is having that eternal perspective that
1: absolutely I think the things that eternity promises and the one who holds the holds gives and will execute the promise that's who we abide in mm-hmm. and under that allows us to be able to faithfully take another step when yeah. you want to quit and you know that there's hope in that
0: so after our brunch and then Bible study this afternoon Then some of us took off and went to Max Prairie Wings I still think it's funny that Lisa thought that was a chicken wing place
1: <laughs> yeah well it makes sense it makes I total mean, sense you, yeah
0: it makes total sense Max Prairie Wings I mean you're thinking hey you get what kind of wings they have that's right
1: in you the know. middle of a prairie
0: in the middle of a prairie yeah I mean exactly but no it's, it's like maybe a, a little big dry old, but it's like a bass pro shop specifically for duck hunting
1: yeah, it's a, it's a unique experience if you've never been there. They, they really started as catering to the years ago when I was a little boy. You would go and they had everything that was not on the market yet. So for specialty waterfowl equipment, if you got it to max and they carried it and sold it, you had something. Because it was in the mecca of duck hunting you stuttgart. know historically known stuttgart is the rice and duck capital of the world uh if you have any diehard water fowlers that listen to this podcast they're probably throwing things at me right now because the last couple of years have been dry and warm and yeah you know they might say that rice is the capital but um yeah it's just a unique experience it's an incredible store I advise everyone to not go in there unless they want to drop. I don't know anyone that's come out of there for less than 100 bucks. You did? Today. Listener Spencer's raising his hand in testimony that he did not spend at least mm-hmm. 100
0: I didn't spend a dollar today. In wow. The, I walked did you in, go in? I walked in. I walked around for a solid hour, and I was looking specifically for a one of those um kind of a dry fit um camo long sleeve pullover not really a pullover but really just kind of a base layer type shirt but not thick but one of those just a lightweight dry fit just something that would be i mean it would have been really comfortable today like in today's weather and I looked and I looked and I looked and the only thing that they had was a sitka well look pullover for a hundred and twenty
1: dollars. Well, and I'm here, like, here's what eh, you I don't failed want to that. realize. If you had put that on, it something happens. Like Transformers, when yeah. you were a kid. Yeah. I mean you think you're looking at a Lamborghini and then something happens and you've got a fighter jet. That's kind of what happens if you move over to the dark side of Sitka. When Sitka came out, we, doing this as a profession, we get first crack at some products. And when Sitka came out, I was hesitant because of the price. It's very expensive. Yeah, it is. But I can say that now after several years, we were gifted some and uh, we have some opportunity at buying some, not at max at full retail. Um, it is quality gear,
0: no doubt. I mean, down to the down to the um, the lining inside because it because it was one of those things that it was not really a quarter zip; it was almost like a half zip. And
1: they've considered every detail in six. Every
0: years. De- you can. I mean, every detail.
1: Absolutely.
0: And from the half zip all the way up, and then the ends, the lining that would be around your mouth and your kind of a face mask almost, yeah. it's almost like a built-in face mask.
1: Pretty much, if you had put that on as you described, you know when you're a baby and your mom takes you out of the sink? Yes. And you, the only thing showing is your eyes, and in that moment you're just... I mean, that's it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: When you, If you had put that Sitka pullover on and worn it out of that store, you would have transformed from a Lamborghini into a fighter jet.
0: But would it have made me, allowed me to kill more ducks?
1: Absolutely, because if you partner that with a proper duck call or some blood dirt pants, they give up even quicker. <laughs> I mean... As they're approaching, you said they, there was a. As we hunted, they circled perfectly, set up for the yeah. decoys. When you become really, if you look the part and you sound the part, when you stand up, you don't even have to pull the trigger. They they'll just, they'll just they just give they'll up. They'll tuck their head and fall to their death. <laughs> so that's the. That's the craziest thing
0: I've ever heard.
1: Well, tomorrow, given the opportunity, we're just going to step out. Kind of like Superman when he comes out of the phone booth. Yeah. As they're right in front, we will step out, and you will see something you've never seen before. I can't wait. And because I was not going to, because of the temperature and the forecast, wear some Sitka tomorrow. Mm -hmm. I'm probably going to be in it. Just so, so this you, was
0: this was inspired. This was an inspire this inspired you to wear the sitka?
1: I don't know if I'll be able to breathe because of the heat factor. Yeah. It's it's high quality
0: it hunting is high gear. Quality.
1: Now it it has a price. Yeah. I mean they built a brand.
0: Clint Clint had Clint was decked out in all his Sitka stuff today.
1: Listen, Clint, if he never makes it as anything else, mm-hmm. he will be a Sitka model.
0: He could be a Sitka model.
1: Yeah. I I like poor man pants. Yeah. With executive Sitka top. He is Sitka man from the... I didn't notice if his Crocs were Sitka. But the rest <laughs> of him, his pants, <laughs> his pullover, his shotgun, his hat.
0: Hey, his socks were not Sitka. Clint had on pink socks.
1: Mm. Well, that could have been some of our issue today. He had on pink socks. Yeah, that's you've gotta be sure of yourself.
0: I haven't yeah, I haven't seen anything pink on Sitka.
1: Not yet. Not yet. When breast cancer awareness month comes out though, it might happen. <laughs> I mean, any time you need a, a special cell, you just
0: Man. Well, <clears throat> so what you do involves your family a lot and so kind of transitioning from um the fact that i did not spend a dime yeah that's impressive max prairie i came close i was tempted
1: we did just have christmas we did and so i guess that was probably wise yeah it was what's not wise though is you're going home and lisa there's some max has gotten smart and they've converted 60% of the store into ladies' apparel.
0: Yeah, I didn't go over there.
1: Designer stuff. Because they know who has the the credit card, the debit card. Yeah, I didn't go over there. Yeah, well, Lisa, sorry. She He left you hanging. No, I got
0: her a Nano Puff jacket from Patagonia. She's fine.
1: They have those too in there. I
0: know. I saw them.
1: Multiple colors.
0: Yeah, she wanted a white one. I got it. At a boy. Yeah.
1: Keep her happy.
0: Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about family. Okay. Um, your childhood, your parents, which we got—I got to meet them, you know, yeah. yesterday, and.
1: So we're we're actually we're as a family we are on Christmas break. Uh, our our whole existence ministry involves our family. Uh, I come from. A stable Christian home mother father um, I'm so thankful for that you don't realize that for most of your life but my parents are I think this week with the 23rd of December 22nd was their 49th anniversary that's awesome um, I have a brother one brother he's older uh, I'm certainly better looking smarter and more talented um, but I have a wife, Christy.
0: That was spoken with all humility.
1: Absolutely. If you ask him, he would possibly debate that. But (laughs) uh, my wife, Christy, we met in college at Washita Baptist University. She was a distance runner, and a few pounds ago I was a basketball player. And uh, we have four children. Avery is a Sophomore at Washita Baptist University. Uh, Drake, our second son, first son, second child. He's a junior in high school. Wyatt is our third. He is ninth grade, 14. And Emery is the queen of the household. She's in the sixth grade, 13 years old. And, you know, I never. Until just recently, I've never considered the fact that... You know, when you go into ministry, your hope, I think, is that the work of your hands obviously is in obedience to God, but that you're helping people. And what I have quickly, what God has shown me, just through right perspective, is that through ministry, people have shaped my family. Mm. that you know for me it felt like a always an outpour man this year i've really noticed that you guys the guys that come support our ministry participate you're making an investment likewise in my you've watched them grow up Mm -hmm. and our kids don't know strangers because we host a lot of guests and um, it's been a privilege to for my wife, for myself to be encouraged. When you're in ministry, it's an island. And so really as you guys come and I feel like I'm doing what God's called me to do, you guys are filling my tank also with encouragement. And uh, it's just been really neat to watch my kids grow up. They obviously love the outdoors. They're killing machines. They're the next generation of passing it on if they so choose to to love the sport but um, it's been good watching my boys become men Mm -hmm. and learning to serve. This is a service oriented ministry lots of times we try our best to host people as we would want to be hosted and uh, to see them understand the idea of being a servant hearted man and now watching them go from boys to teens figuring it out figuring it out the relational part and the hunting part as well and then moving towards manhood where i feel confident that i could send you guys hunting with wyatt who's 15 tomorrow and you would be hunting with an experienced hunter probably surpassing a lot of guys out there that are taking people you know and if drake were to go he could carry that out as well he might just shoot all the ducks in front of you he hasn't quite he hasn't quite given in as far as why it has on letting others be first Mm -hmm. so but it's been really neat to you know and i have to say so christy and i have been married it will be 22 years in february february 5th um she has been incredibly supportive of the things that I think she recognizes now, it was just a dream. I was chasing this waterfowl dream and she loved me enough to be along for the ride. Uh, but now I think she would say, this is what God's got for us. Mm-hmm. And we're, we formed in, well, I don't know if I should tell the story. Are we ready for the story of High Plains?
0: man? This. Go with where
1: So I am forty four I'm forty four years old and I took my first group of hunters for pay when I was sixteen. So I've been I'm much
0: older than why it is.
1: I have been guiding for how many years is that? Twenty yeah. eight?
0: Yeah. So
1: twenty eight years that I have I've not missed a season. And normally I hunt realistically 40. Has it always
0: been waterfowl that you've got it or have I you did done some
1: other? I did some turkeys in the in the spring uh-huh. at different times but waterfowl's been my passion um, and so I started at about 16 with a with a an outfit working for them I was the bottom rung the one that did all the dirty work for little pay and but I figured it out when I figured that you could go hunting and get paid. Man, that was that was home run. Yeah. And and I had my dad's gas card. So like the profit margin was high. Yeah. So uh, but through college really is when that kicked into something significant. Like I there was just something first of all I'm a relational person. I love people. Mm-hmm. And so for me, I could even say back then when killing was the most important the numbers of birds that died that that's most important in your 20s and especially now with social media you've got to have pictures mm. you know like yeah we got to feed the gram and right. snapchat and facebook and you know and i hate all of that now as an old soul like that's not what hunting's about but when you're in your 20s it's uh you run hard it's a numbers game yeah. and um But I started an outfitting business in Saskatchewan, Canada in 2004-ish, and at the time we had Avery, who was three, and Drake was just born, and so for a number of years, we would live in Saskatchewan for three months, and then run our season there, and then come home, and as we had our third child, it became evident that dad being gone um, wasn't... At some point when the kids, when Avery started school, they weren't able to go with me. Right. And so that distance, just the the writing was on the wall if I was going to keep my family and be who I was supposed to.
0: Where were we all living then? We
1: were we were in Arkansas then. Okay. So, and and something interesting happened that god was using to shape where i'm at today Uh, several things but two specific things one day in canada i went in our skinning room behind the lodge and there was literally a hundred mallard ducks and canada geese just this pile of birds and i stood in the doorway and i thought "Ugh, this is getting old like all of this for that and that was pivotal because I began to see that it had somehow become a God, an idol that I was looking at who I was becoming and in a subconscious way it wasn't it wasn't fulfilling and then that same year we had a client um from louisiana he came every year this guy was the life of the party um he was just one of those when he walked in everybody knew he was there and he would bring hunters to canada and we had a great relationship and um that summer after he came Well, while he was there, let me backtrack. While he was there, he would ride with me in the afternoons to scout for the next day, and at least four different times, I was prompted, being a Christian, by the Holy Spirit to share the gospel with him. He was in my truck seat, and we're by ourselves looking at birds and binoculars. There's never been God has never offered up a more convenient time. We had a relationship, Mm -hmm. and and I was at a probably the place in my faith walk where I was having the internal decision discussion if I share my faith with him and he quits coming he's my best client
0: Mm.
1: well that summer the following summer I called his office in Louisiana to be sure he was coming the following fall and his secretary informed me that he had taken his life oh wow And, and so the the ending of that story and one of the things i believe god has used to propel and change my heart is i still see his face clearly and the opportunity that i let go because i chose a customer instead of obedience towards eternity and so it's interesting now you know and uh, i realized So we made the decision to sell our business in Canada so we could be together as a family. And when that sale happened, I realized very quickly that that had become who I was. And, you know, as guys, there's uh, great fear in what we do is supposed to pay bills, not define who we are. Who we are is who Christ says we are. And what we do pays bills but for guys and i do a lot of men's ministry the, the the second or third question is hey what do you do and we will spend the next 15 minutes discussing our life fulfilling characteristics based on what we do and i realized when i sold that business that is who i had become and so i spent a couple years um really disgruntled that i just sold who i was i was making a good living working a quarter of the year in essence and that was gone and uh, i think what had happened so i began to chase another dream of i told christy i've got a i don't know what i'm going to do but i got to get back in the hunting business and super short story i made three or four different trips to look at possible opportunities and Every time when I got there, it was like the pictures had been photoshopped or something. Mm. It just wasn't right. Well, what I I see now is that God was using those things for me to run to the end of myself. And so in 2007 or 8 or (laughs) 9, probably 9, I guess, Uh, I was on my way home from North Dakota in complete frustration because I had what I felt like I was at the end of chasing a dream. And God called me into ministry on the side of a road in a cornfield. I stopped to use the bathroom and got back in the truck completely disgruntled. And I remember this distinct call of, I need more. Mm. And I'm going to do great things if you'll be obedient. And so I'm a dreamer, and that's a dangerous thing. I spent the next 15 hours driving home from North Dakota processing what that, you know, I'm thinking, Billy Graham, you better look out. Like, we're about, to, we're about to do this. And it really took a process of getting home and sharing that with Christy of, I don't really know what just happened, but I believe God's calling me into ministry. And so what do we do now? You know, and it, it, as I understood it being a, I mean, I trusted Jesus as my Savior at seven years old because I had a distinct recognition that if I died, I would go to hell because I was a sinner and I needed a Savior. And so, in childlike faith, I made that decision. Well, I was standing here now as a grown man with three kids, the fourth one on the way, going, I don't know. I guess if you're going to go into ministry, you go to seminary. Mhm.
0: That's just kind at of that time.
1: Yeah, it's kind of what you do, right? Yeah. And so uh, I began to pray it out and seek seminary and try to work in the <coughs> in the in between time. And God led me to to the seminary I needed to be. And I began to just really. <clears throat> what's interesting is from seven to probably thirty. 31, 32, my faith was a a religiously secured acceptance of what God offered through Jesus. Mm -hmm. And so I checked that box.
0: Which is probably where most people live.
1: Absolutely. Like Today. We don't want to go to hell. Right. And so if I can say yes to Jesus and be assured that I'm going to heaven, I'm good there. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, I was standing then at a pivotal place of God saying, I want more, and trying to figure out what that looked like, because I didn't see myself behind a pulpit. Even though I jokingly dreamed, Billy Graham, look out, I didn't see myself there. And so what was interesting is the dreams kind of went dormant uh, for the bulk of my seminary work, and towards the end of my seminary work, as I began to like really unpack what I believed, why I believed it, what our purpose is, all of those things in a new way, uh, God just handed us a dream for High Plains Waterfowl, a wow. vision yeah. of, man, why don't you take... I know, He knows us so well. He knows the desires of our heart. I mean factual scriptural Mm -hmm. and and i think what had to happen is brian's heart had to be put to sleep and i had to regain god's heart yeah and i think the full circle the loving father restorative redeemer uh was i'll still give you if you'll be obedient and do it my way yeah and i just remember you know through all of that scripture and proverbs that's many are the plans of a man's heart but the lord's purpose prevails and so as i'm finishing seminary when you would begin to look for a church job or some avenue of purpose god gave us this dream why don't you why don't you build a place that combines your love of the outdoors and men and just people and killing ducks and so in 2011 we established a non High Plains Waterfowl, and you know, I prayed a prayer, I joke about this, and unless you are here and experience our lodge, and I prayed, God, if you will provide, I will build it. Because when I went in what's our lodge now, the building that the bank owned, it was a disaster, I could see it finished in the front door. And I prayed, God, if you'll provide, I'll build it. And what I should have prayed was, if you'll provide the material and a whole bunch of labor, <laughs> <laughs> I'll manage the construction project. Uh, so yeah, you got to be careful about how ooh, specific yeah, you are in your prayers. Son, it, it, Podcast advice. Pray yeah. specific. Pray
0: specifically. Slow down when yes. you pray.
1: Have a plan before you pray. But Absolutely. God provided every step of the way. The stories are incredible. Too long for this interview, but uh, he provided for us, ultimately debt-free in, a, in 18 months, an incredible facility that has been the best and worst project of my life. It took about two years to build. I did the bulk of it. I mean, we had a bunch of help along the way but I probably did eighty percent of the construction and I would work here two weeks at the time when we were in seminary when I sold Canada we moved to Abilene Texas and I was doing seminary work out there and so I would drive six hundred miles and work here two weeks sleep on the floor working every day and I would go home for a week or so and I'm you know when I think about now the the real winner ultimately is God in eternity but my wife man she put up with a lot and still does I'm I'm difficult to deal with but I think she's seen God's hand in this all the way she would if she were on here with us she would vouch for the fact that we've seen God do incredible things since 2012 here There's just something about, I shared with y'all, when you take a group of guys and you open God's word, there is some unity there that Mm -hmm. it's only the spirit could work through. And so we've had guys come as total strangers and literally leave as brothers in Christ. And so our whole purpose is to host people. We take them duck hunting a couple mornings we take them through a structured bible study, we share the gospel. We have an interactive walk through the bible. We call it our journey room, which um, is awesome. It's basically the story from creation to yeah. the cross and it's an audio tour. It takes 20 minutes and it's just a different feel, different place every bit. So, it's
0: just a cool experience. It's been
1: an incredible ride.
0: Yeah. Um I want to go back to Christy for just a minute. Um you guys have been married 22 years and I can't I, if if I'm 600 miles away and in school and we're living in in a place where I'm going to school or whatever and then I'm driving 600 miles here to work two weeks and then to go back to school. There's been a lot of time where you're away from your family, away from Christy and spending that time um, nurturing that relationship. And, you know, obviously, in our relationships with our spouses you know for the most part they come first they came first before our kids they came first before ministry they came so there's a there's a priority that we have as husbands and men to our wives to nurture their hearts and they've got to put up with our crap
1: yeah i think a lot of times i I guess my
0: question is how how do y'all in your relationship maintain the relationship how do y'all continue to grow because you're not only doing this you're also pastoring a church you've um there's a lot of moving parts
1: absolutely to your life so i think the greatest challenge and as we as we age together she, if she were sitting here right now on this with us she would say she believes that families are to be together and our greatest challenge is the times that we're apart because I guess the thing that that makes it work is she under she has seen God's hand in the process I think if this was a completely selfish venture of I'm just going and hunting for a whole season, and she's at home trying to raise manage the kids and This truly has kind of become a family operation and so the That was a quick way to tell you we try to be extremely intentional with our time together, obviously during the the seasons it's short, but it's long, so it's two months, basically, yeah. 60 days is the actual season and so there's challenges in there certainly with our kids and their things that we go to but when the season closes we will go away for a week and that will be intentional time um we still we still date and not as much as we would like because the kids probably but we are you know now they're at the age where we can tell them hey look we're going to eat dinner tonight y'all try to stay alive for two hours (laughs) so uh you know you don't have that luxury and I, i would say if i could go back and change one thing about the process it would be i would have i'm a i'm a run hard without many plans guy which is kind of an oxymoron to the fact that I just said that God, His purpose prevails in our plans sometimes. I would probably do this project differently so I didn't have to be gone. But here's what I knew. I knew God's calling was real. I watched Him literally like the God of the Old Testament provide things that I could not do on my own. And so I was committed to... To build to see, to watch this unfold and praise God, she got to see most of that too, and so it's been a joint project. I think the you know for us we we embrace the word helpmate, mm. and so we understand each other's roles pretty well, and we're just committed to the biblical definition of being selfless mm. and putting Christ first and a, you serve You serve one another. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. It's not a
0: matter of you lording it over her. Absolutely. And her.
1: You know, I think the world, in my opinion, this is a whole other conversation we don't have time for, but God's design is perfect. And we live in a world today where culture says that a woman can do anything. And if you talk about just ability and giftings, they can. But he designed things to be God, man, woman. And in so in his perfect order, in all things, in my opinion, that's what's best, is that man submits to God. Man leads woman. Woman submits to man and God under the assumption that it's healthy, biblical. Yeah. You know what I mean. Yeah. And so... I think we both now are at a a place in life and our faith where we get that,
0: yeah, I mean shoot you you take a look at the scripture, and it's what the scripture says and and I've been convicted of this when I have been inconsiderate to Lisa, if there's anything that God will turn a deaf ear to my prayers for, it'll be when I'm inconsiderate to her, yeah and and that's that is straight out of the bible that men our i mean husbands are to be considerate of our wives and when we're not he's like i, I don't hear what you're saying yeah i'm not going to listen to you until that changes
1: absolutely and I think, I don't think that's taught appropriately that, and I mean, I'm guilty of, if I'm not handling that relationship correctly, that is a stumbling block before God. Big time. And and yeah. I don't know that that is adequately taught. And I struggle to understand it, obviously, because I find myself... Like, come on, guy. Mm-hmm. And then it's almost like he's saying, "Well, you're not even taking care of the order that's in <laughs> right. front of your face. Don't worry about right. what I'm doing." So,
0: well, I remember something that you did. Um, I want to say it was my first time out here, um, and I think Drake had a baseball game,
1: basketball,
0: basketball. And we were we were heading out to go hunt. And you came in and you told us, this is where you're going to go? I'm going to watch my kid play basketball. Yeah. I was like, I like that guy.
1: Well, I, you know, I'm thankful for what I'm about to say. Seasons of life are so short. And... The simple fact is we misplace the importance of things that are robbing things that we may never get again. Mm. Like, I could have easily stayed goose hunting with you guys and had an excuse with my family and to my son. Yeah. Hey, these dudes drove from Georgia. Like, I got to go. Right. And, And sometimes I feel guilty about that. But what I know is my son we'll only have a limited number of those opportunities. Yep. And you know what, my first priority is to my family. And he needs his dad at his game. And you know, y'all probably didn't even kill any geese. You might have, but. I don't remember.
0: Yeah, nonetheless. But I remember that.
1: Nonetheless, my son knew I was at his game. Yeah. And you know, there'll be a season Six years down the road, if the Lord wills and we're still doing this, where he won't have a game, and I can lay out there and goose hunt. Right. So, you know, I, I try to, for all the things that we may do wrong, I try to do some things right, and I know that season. My my dad never missed a game in my entire life. Wow. And some That's powerful. And he would tell you that in could verify uh he he would drive three hours he he was in sales and so he might be in Monroe Louisiana he would drive three hours leave work come to my game and drive three hours back to Monroe because it was important because his dad wasn't there so that taught me and and we're probably probably financially to a fault sometimes I've cut out on some things you know that would have made me an extra hundred dollars that I could have justified somehow, but I just know that that they're most important at mm-hmm. this point in season, and that hundred dollars will—it's not going to kill me if God's in it. So,
0: yeah, that's a, that's a commitment because I just think that your kid, your kid, you're the only dad them kids will ever, your kids will ever have.
1: That's right, and the season is short. Very. I mean solomon wisest man ever had it pegged very well the seasons there's a season for everything everything and they pass and i don't want to miss them you know so but
0: well i appreciate the time and there's so much more i mean we could talk about
1: i'm probably an 11 part series probably so now i don't know if anybody would listen past Oh no! It, I mean,
0: I think people would.
1: I've decided to go G rated on this thing because yeah, a, you did. Well, there's a statute of limitations always, and I don't know where that is. And the truth is, is I, I don't want to hit the interwebs. Yeah. You know the old, worldwide web, yeah. and some church down the road need a pastor. And break break out this podcast and say, man, you're our guy, but after hearing that, I don't know. You need to repent.
0: Maybe you need to start your own own little podcast.
1: Well, I don't know.
0: You can get wide on it.
1: I talk so slow that... That's a good thing. Well, maybe. People love
0: to listen to Southern drawl. Well, I'm
1: here. I'm here. They do. Here for that
0: um all right Brian so how can uh, people connect with you if like people are listening to this? like hey I want to go and check this place out I would like to p- take a group I just want to come
1: so I'm this is where we go from G rated to and this is how the devil works so we had a really cool website it was HPW yeah okay In the last 18 months, I have been alerted by multiple people that I trust that when you type that into the search bar, um, a pharmacy page comes up for male enhancement pills. (laughs) Are you serious? I'm serious. H-P. We're not going to say it because they're going to look now. And I'm trying to No, I'm just trying to understand why that would lead to that. Well, so here's why. After these, these men are trying to come to a Christian retreat center and kill some ducks and hear about Jesus, and they go on the interwebs, and all they see is male enhancement products, they're not oh, sure what kind of facility this is. So here's what happened. Yes. I, I called my IT guy who is in Nashville because I can't do that. And he spent three hours investigating. In fact, I was at a high school football game when the first guy called from Birmingham and said, hey, dude, you better check your website. I mean, I don't know what you're selling over there, but (laughs) anyway, Jesus is free. I'm not selling anything. But anyway, long story short, Google was um, breached. Okay. And and this is like, sure enough, computer world. Google can't unlock whatever it is that's going on with the website. So we have now just killed the website. But because the domain name yes. is paid out years out when you pull up that. So here's how you reach me. And I, I'm going to apologize if you just look that up on the Googler. <laughs> um, the, uh What you need to do is go to Facebook, and there you will see a page for Brian Womack. And the best way is to send me a message, just instant message. What do you, messenger?
0: Yeah, messenger.
1: And I will contact you there. We also have Instagram. Um, And I'll put those in the show notes. Yeah, that'd be great. And just message us there. My phone number, I still do business probably backwards, but phone call, trusting word. Would you like but, for
0: me to put the phone number in the show notes as well? Yeah, that'll be great. Okay. I can do that I'm, too.
1: I can block a call if somebody's crazy. Yeah. You know, if they want to call and order a...
0: Order mail and Yeah,
1: a six-month six supply. 6 months of, supply. Yeah, so I apologize for that, <laughs> but anyway, so yeah.
0: Man. Wow. Well, um, man, this has been good. Really good. So thank you.
1: Absolutely. So I would just say this, love God and love people and you can't go wrong. And that, that that would be a mission statement for anyone that cares.
0: Amen to that. So, Well, thank you guys for joining in to the quarter three podcast. Uh, happy new year. And, uh, Look forward to seeing you soon. If you need to reach me or Lisa, you can always connect with us on Instagram um, at either our individual pages or our Court of Three account. Have a good night.
1: Bye. Bye.